everybody, this is Atkins. And this is Adam. We're welcoming you to another episode of Kyo Cinema. We are back, back deep into live action Dragon Ball movies today. Yes, another unlicensed movie. So this is unofficial, which means that all the names had to be changed just a little bit. So that way they could officially, I guess, record this movie or produce it. I guess that's the right terminology. Yeah, it was strange because the names were definitely changed in the English dub, but in the subtitles that were in some sort of like Portuguese or Brazilian or something below it, I still saw the like canonical names for stuff. So I still saw Bulma, I still saw Yamcha, I still saw Goku. So that was weird. Yeah, no, it definitely was kind of weird. And some of the name changes too were, I'm going to say, a bit of a stretch. Uh, So like, for instance, Grandpa Gohan is named Sparkle. Yeah, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) it's so strange and they called so goku we're gonna for the sake of our sanity um throughout this episode while we're talking about this movie we are going to use the names that we are the most familiar with and comfortable with so we're going to say goku we're going to say balma we're going to say yamcha we're not going to say the names that uh you know the english dub utilized just because they're unfamiliar and they would just trip us up endlessly um i will also say too that there are some names that will kind of be used interchangeably because this movie is this weird mix of Curse of the Blood Rupees and also um, the first Pilaf saga of Dragon Ball. Definitely. And so the bad guy can be King Gourmet or it could be uh, Pilaf, Emperor Pilaf. I have him in my notes as Pilaf because when you see this dude, it's an attempt was made to make him look like Pilaf, I thought. I thought so, too. I mean, he's like a blue alien. He's much more menacing looking than Pilaf, but in, in his official name is King Horn because he's got these big horns that like wrap around his face and stuff. Yeah, they look like the horns from uh, the movie Legend. I'll get into his aesthetic later on. Um, and then he's got two major henchmen who I have in my notes as Shu and Mai um, because that's who I affiliated with Pilaf, of course. Uh, but a lot of people consider them to be Bongo and Pasta. Uh, and they have been renamed Zabrata and Malilia. So, or Maria in some, apparently. I, I, the one, I've watched three different versions of this movie. The subtitles I had for one called her Maria. So That's weird. I only watched the one version, uh, and it was, it was rough. I only watched this one twice. This is the movie that I watched the least um, out of all of the movies that we've covered so far. I think this one's on par. Three. I normally try and give all the movies three shots. This one's long, though. It's like a two-hour-long movie. It's close. It's definitely over 90 minutes. Um, so let's go over just really quickly. We'll, we'll blitz down. We've hit a couple of these names. Uh, so Son Goku was renamed to just Monkey Boy, which is one of the weirdest changes because in this movie, there is no tail. There's a mention that he used to have one, but that's it. Um, so weird weird change there um yeah. i mean i get it but it's also weird uh grandpa gohan like you said is sparkle bulma was renamed as sito um and that is only significant for one joke in the english dub and every other time bulma works just fine um oolong is renamed just piggy uh yamcha was renamed as westwood that was a that's a that cool was a hard name. right yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I think like, it's because he's supposed to be kind of like a western cowboy so it makes sense right yeah yeah uh, Yamshin's companion Puar was just replaced with a cockatoo, and I don't remember if it got a name. I don't think it did, but man, I kind of liked that change. It was awesome. Uh, Roshi is just called the Turtle Man. That's it. Um, and then Pansy, there's this little girl that ends up hanging around with uh, Goku and Bulma, uh, and her name is Pansy in Curse of the Blood Rupees, but 
she's also kind of Chi-Chi from early Dragon Ball, like kind of is both of those characters kind of squished together um, for the purposes of this movie. So it's kind of weird, um, but that should. And then we've already been over uh, King Gourmet slash Pilaf slash King Horn in the henchmen. So like I said, that's their canonical names. We know what they are, but we noted these things out with the names that were just the most familiar to us. The ones that we've seen twice in this story already in previous episodes of Kyo Cinema. And as Adam reminded me before we started recording today, some of this movie we're going to see yet another time, four times total. Uh, in a later movie, when we hit the last Dragon Ball movie, uh, what was it called again? The Path, Path of Power? The Power. You know, and yeah. it made me think, they have redone the beginning of Dragon Ball a lot, but they have not redone the beginning of Dragon Ball Z at all. Poor Raditz just doesn't get any love, man. I mean, yeah, that's true. I will say that Raditz is maybe my favorite part of the Home for Infinite Losers thing that Team Four Star is doing on YouTube right now. <laughs> yeah. Like, like just seeing him rubbing shoulders with cells just brings me endless amounts of joy. Yeah, that's actually a really interesting series for, for Dragon Ball Z fans that haven't checked that out, especially for folks that like the villains. Anything Team Four Star is just amazing anyways, but that, that particular series was interesting. So this episode is going to be a little different. Like I said, we've kind of already covered this movie twice before in episodes one and episodes eight of Kyo Cinema. Um, and because we would be hitting a lot of these same story beats and covering a lot of familiar ground, uh, what I decided that we could do differently is just kind of, I noted out a list of here are like the 10 or 11 uh, big plot points that we see across all these movies in some way, shape or form. So I'm going to present those points. And if there's anything specifically uh, unique to The Magic Begins uh, about that particular plot point and the goings on around it, then Adam and I will address those, highlight those as we go. Uh, and then we've got a couple of treats that we're going to uh, present on after we wrap up on this movie. Absolutely. Well, what do you say we get into Dragon Ball The Magic Begins? Let's do it. Uh, so the first plot point is that Pilaf slash yada yadas, um, they are out collecting the Dragon Balls. They know of them. They have plans for them. They are out rounding these things up. And in this movie, it's depicted rather violently there's some weird tonal shifts in this movie in oh, my yeah. opinion <laughs> and it depends on the version you watch too because the the second time that i watched this through it was like a recently redubbed film and apparently they used the same script but i swear it was like watching kung pao i mean it was just so lighthearted. so the scenes where people are getting blown up are like really ridiculous but in general, like it feels like any time Pilaf and his crew are around, it could be Michael Bay's wet dream. Like everything's oh, God, exploding yeah. all the time. They spent all their money on that and the costumes. That's right. Yeah, they it's it's bombastic for sure. So Pilaf and his cronies roll up uh, onto this town because uh, there's a Dragon Ball there. They call them Dragon Pearls in the English dub, uh, and then. They're, I mean, they're blowing people up left and right. Buildings are burning left and right. Uh, and then, I mean, he, this dude is straight, like, force lightninging people, Pilaf is. Like, entire groups of people are just mowed down by him as he's collecting these Dragon Balls. And they're, and like, he spaceships, does, like, flying over, too, that are, like, right. wrecking things. It's great. Um, and this, this is where I could talk a little bit more about what Pilaf looks like in this movie. Um, he looks really aquatic. Yeah, is what I have. Does. Yeah. Like he's blue and his ears look kind of like Vaporeon's ears a little bit. Oh, um, yeah, that's a really good point. 
And uh, he's got these giant horns, like like I said, like the uh, devil figure in the movie Legend. Um, and so he's like kind of that devil from Legend mixed with like a Zora from Legend of Zelda or Vaporeon, one of those two things, or both. Who knows? Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. And he's he's basically like showing up to this little village because the leader has a dragon pearl and he's one of the protectors. Because there's this thing they do in this movie where like everyone relevant has a dragon pearl because of course they do. And they're protectors of the pearl, even if they didn't really realize what the, the dragon pearl was for. Uh, but it turns out that this is Jade's father or Chi Chi slash Pansy's father. And uh, like this King Horn guy just wrecks him. I mean, it's a... He like tries to exit with all of his posse, but Kinghorn stops them. It's pretty epic. Yeah, everybody basically. I mean, we we see the mass extinction of a village at the beginning of this movie. Uh, so, and then you shift from that to the the kind of comic goofy uh, bit of Goku and Bulma encountering one another. So Pilaf is successful. He gets this Dragon Pearl. Of course, he exposits to us the listening and watching audience how these dragon pearls work that you get the seven of them together and then the uh, uh like a light will split the very sky and a magic dragon will appear and he's gonna wish for universal rulership and yada yada we've we've been here before this is well-trod ground yeah and, and he actually knows about sparkle or grandpa gohan in this case and that he has one of these dragon pearls so we transition over to meet grandpa gohan and goku they're doing some weird training exercises and stuff, and then he tells Goku to go out and get some food, which is where he encounters Bulma, and uh, as they are making their way back, of course, the same thing happens that normally happens, where the Red Ribbon Army or Pilaf's gang or whoever shows up to take Goku's Dragon Ball, but in this case, they just take uh, Grandpa Gohan and the Dragon Ball, and Grandpa Gohan's alive pretty much the whole time in this movie, which is the only time in Dragon Ball history ever that Grandpa Gohan survives past right. the first like two minutes, you know? Yep. So this is point number two, plot point number two. Goku and Bulma encounter one another in the wild, discover each has a Dragon Ball, and then set out to uh, together to round them all up. Um, and there is this weird, you'd mentioned this battle between Goku and Gohan. The fight scenes in this movie are actually really good. Dude, they're awesome. Um, like, especially as far as this time period goes for Kung Fu movies. They did a really good job. I, I love these kinds of movies. This is like what I would spend my Friday nights watching growing up. So, yeah. And it's this really good mix, in my opinion, of like legitimate looking, well choreographed martial arts combat. And then also really kind of slapstick, cartoony, goofy. Uh, the like wire happenings. Food. Well, yeah, I mean, there's definitely some like crouching tiger, hidden dragon stuff going on. But they like at one point, Goku grabs the power pole and he sw he swings it at Gohan. Gohan just grabs it and then it's just smacking Goku at, yeah. at the other end of this pole repeatedly into the ground, which is silly, but I was like, it works. It's totally great. And I wanted to see more of it. Yeah. And I think this is actually when they first kind of introduced the idea that Goku is a descendant of the Monkey King, because that's kind of like all the characters almost are these descendants of of great legends and Gohan mentions that, you know, their family has been put there to protect the dragon pearl. Even though when Bulma mentions later on that there are seven dragon pearls, when you make, put them together, you get to make a wish. Goku's like, I didn't know that. I just thought there was the one. Um, and there's also this kind of weird thing I didn't mention where when King Horn is trying to steal the dragon ball from the initial guy, he threatens to break it. And I, I kind of assumed the dragon balls were like unbreakable. So Maybe in this universe they're not. 
I think in the television show that they are unbreakable. And that was a the big crazy plot point for GT at one point when they started to crack before the uh the different dragons came out of them or whatever. Yeah. The, the Black Star stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, we get uh, you know, some of the well trod stuff again. Goku does go fishing. Kind of like you you say Goku goes fishing and you have an asterisk and you got to look down at the bottom of the page where it's like the fish equals a crocodile, Um, which was so crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, But he does. He he gets a fish kind of. Um, There's the encounter with Bulma where he's kind of awestruck by a human that isn't a boy. uh, And there's this really strange line of dialogue here. So. I mean, there's a couple of really strange lines of dialogue here. One of them is that Goku says that Grandpa says girls' chests were bigger than boys, and he almost gets like indignant because he's like, "Why should yours be bigger? Let me let me take a look." Uh, <laughs> like he's like, "Why why do you get the big chest? I want one." Yeah. Um. And then Bulma says, "You can't touch me." And then Goku has this revelation where he's like, "Oh yeah, Grandpa also said boys shouldn't touch girls, and those that did are called." And then there's this dramatic pause, and then he and Bulma both shout out loud in unison rapists yeah. <laughs> and i was like what <laughs> yeah, man this... that is a wild sexual ethic that gohan is teaching to his son you if you touch a girl that you are a rapist that's what he has told his son yeah it's pretty wild uh but gohan does end up getting taken away and they end up having to i think that's ultimately like why goku decides to go with bulma right it's not that he really wants to go get the dragon pearls or help her out it's like oh well they stole gohan i gotta go get him yeah, this time they literally steal Gohan. They right. don't steal the Gohan. They steal Gohan, the man who raised Gohan or Goku. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, yeah, his incentive is still there. Like he's still well enough motivated. It's essentially the same thing, right? I mean, yes. In early Dragon Ball, he called that ball Gohan well, and his grandpa. That, so. that Dragon Ball is Gohan there at the very yeah. beginning. So yeah. Uh, well, we end up moving on and and we encounter Oolong, who it's it's the kind of the same exact concept where. In the show, you know, he's this guy that has tricked this town into marrying their daughters off to him. Well, in this movie, he's just, like, harassing this young girl. Like, literally, he's just chasing her in this field. And it, it's Jade, or Pansy. And uh, Goku and Bulma show up, and they're like, what is, what is this? What's happening? What, what are you doing? And she, of course, asks them to rescue her. So Goku and Oolong start fighting off. And Oolong is weird in this movie, because it's just this guy that's, like, in a almost like a diaper and he's painted black from head to toe and he's acting like a pig and they, they do kind of duke it out a little bit. And then he, he does show them a transformation and it's weird. And then he transforms again into his real self and he's just a dude. And he's like, Oh, well this is my real self. I'm the piggy magician. I think is what, or the piggy wizard, I think is what he goes by. Uh, and it turns out that he is also supposed to be an incarnation. He is like the 91st incarnation of the great piggy, just like Goku is the 91st incarna- uh, incarnation of Sun, or not Sun Goku, uh, he is Sun Goku. What The what? monkey. The monkey, yes, thank you. Yeah. And so they are. he considers them brothers. Piggy is like, oh, you're my brother. This is great. We're together now. Yeah, he's just trying to ingratiate himself here. So this is plot point number three, encounter Oolong, harassing a young girl, and then end up having him come along. Um, and the fight that he and Goku have is another one that I really enjoyed. It yeah. wasn't like a real kind of Kung Fu fight. It was just a cartoony, goofy fight where like, you know, Oolong ends up stepping on his own rake and smacking himself in the face. And then he gets punched into a coconut tree and knocked out by one of the falling, 
uh, fruits, you know, bop, bop some on the head. Like, it's just very silly. I would even say that Oolong actually has the most transformation in the movie. Like, when we first meet him, he's this kind of evil character. Goku kind of smacks him into shape for a bit, and he, then he's this kind of creepy character, and, you know, he's he's over-sexual and everything, and then he he kind of turns into this, like, I don't want to say a hero, but, I mean, he definitely has a big transformation where at the end he's one of the guys. Like, it's pretty wild. He doesn't measure up at all to Oolong from Fight Son Goku, Win Son Goku. I agree. I'm going to yeah. say that on the record definitively. That is my forever favorite Oolong, 100%. <laughs> Oolong head in that movie was just too much. It was glorious. And then the voice <laughs> on top of it. Oh my gosh. If you're listening to this right now and you have not hunted down Fight Son Goku, Win Son Goku, you need to because I'm telling you, it is glorious. It is. It is absolute glory. And Oolong is such a big part of that. He's okay in this movie. I didn't really care for him. Uh, so that will move us, if you don't have anything else to add, at least, uh, to no. the encounter with Oolong. No. That's going to move us into point four, which is uh, they bump into Yamcha and Puwar, who try, to get the who try to get the Dragon Balls on their own after overhearing Bulma's explanation of what they are. This happens in all the movies as well. Yes, it does. And this is, it's actually a really good transition, too, because it's right after Oolong and Goku kind of, like, make amends and decide that they're going to be friends. like. Right over to the right is Yamcha, and he is named Westwood in this. When, when he first appears, he's in this, like, poncho, and he's got, like, a Western hat on, and he's smoking. Like, he looks pretty badass, really. I have that he looks like Zorro uh, cosplaying as Johnny Depp. Yes, that's actually a really good way of putting it, yeah. And he's got this little parrot, like this cockatoo, that just hangs out on his shoulder that's supposed to be Poir. And I gotta say, I love it, because in the midst of Goku and Yamcha fighting... Poir and Oolong get into it because the cockatoo can speak in this movie. So it's like chastising Oolong about how Yamcha's going to win. And Oolong is like, no, my brother's going to win. And literally this actor is arguing with this cockatoo on screen. It is kind of silly. I do miss smoking Poir, though, because that was also kind of silly and yeah. completely random in the last version of this movie. There's a really good fight between Yamcha and Goku. There really is. Um, as well. Um, there, there's a couple of parts that I wanted to highlight personally. The first one was that, uh, there's, there's a good bit of hand to hand after they both end up separated from their weapons for a short period of time. And Goku ends up pulling out some of Yamcha's hair and then like menacingly blows it out of his hand. <laughs> yes. Like looks at Yamcha and goes like, like it's the most aggressive blowing something out of your hands that I've ever seen. And I was like, dang, dude, Goku is dirty in this movie. Dude, that, uh, that scene was so crazy. It reminded me like something you would see out of a Chuck Norris film. Yeah, right. And then a, a, a peculiar thing about this movie is that no, like, official moves are performed at all. So, like, you you see things that, like, is that the Kamehameha? I don't know, because they never say it, okay? Um, but here, technically, they they do the rock, paper, scissors move mm -hmm. that Goku does, but they but both Yamcha and Goku do it simultaneously. So they both throw rock and their fists connect. Uh, and then they both throw paper and their hands come together and then they both throw scissors and then their fingers end up hooked into the other person's noses. And they kind of are at this weird stalemate from that position before Bulma comes up and Yamcha runs off. And then I just wished if I were re-editing this movie today, I would drop uh, Yakety Sax down here. <laughs> yeah. You know that. Because yep. there's scenes in this movie where Yamcha is running at like 1.5 or 2 times speed around and like away from Bulma. And I would put Yakety Sacks every single time. It would work really well too because that's definitely the vibe that you're, you're going to get when you watch this movie. I really right. enjoyed this scene. Like I thought the fight between Yamcha and Goku was probably one of the better ones in general. Like I just thought it was really, really good. 
I agree. I mean, like I said, I was impressed with the fight choreography and it was it was the kind where you watch and you are are like appreciative of it um, versus when you do fight Son Goku, win Son Goku, you're watching it and it's just hilarious because they're reusing footage over and over again. And yeah, yeah. You see the wires and the cranes and the ladders and like all that kind of silly it's, stuff. It's like just them jumping over sand dunes <laughs> like yeah, over and yeah. over from different angles. <laughs> yeah, this movie had none of that. I mean, no. the fighting in this movie is way higher uh, quality than uh, Fight Son Goku and Son Goku. Definitely. And then once again, this is where like after the fight happens, Bulma's explaining to Goku and Oolong and Jade in this case or Pansy what the Dragon Pearls do. Yamcha happens to just so have one and it's he's like hit it forever ago and he was told to protect it so he's going over and he's digging it up and he decides that he is going to go over to the turtle hermit or the turtle man's place because Oolong has heard of this turtle man and he's talking about it so Yamcha's like oh well I got to get there first and warn the turtle man about Goku and hopefully get him on my side. Yeah, so this gets us through two points, really. Uh, they, number five plot point is they hear tell of the turtle hermit and his ability to lend a hand. Uh, and then that is uh, exposited here. And it's overheard by the Mai slash uh, pasta person who is also on the scene. Uh, and it's funny because she reports back to the Pilaf Gurumez guy. And, is, and she says, they've gone to seek help from a wizard turtle man. Yeah. And I was like, I freaking love that name now. <laughs> Wizard Turtle Man might be the name on my next band. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, plot point six is Yamcha beats the crew to Roshi and then tells him someone's coming to challenge him. Then he gets found out as a liar by the Nimbus test and the Nimbus is given to Goku. Man, I got to tell you, my favorite part in this movie was probably Roshi. When we yes. first introduced to him, this is awesome. Like, it's just kind of day in the life of Roshi. And he's like walking out of his house and he's dancing and like, it's just so much fun. And he gets on the Nimbus cloud and, and he talks about how he's, he wants the Nimbus to take him around to go see pretty women or pretty girls. And so, of course, the Nimbus drops him. But this whole sequence is worth watching this movie, like watching this actor just totally live it up to being Roshi. And the costume was so good. Yeah, this Roshi looks better than Fight Son Goku, Win Son Goku's Roshi, acts more like Roshi than the other guy did. Um and he even has this kind of particular strut yeah. that he has. Um, and even when he's standing still, and this is this is like cartoon accurate. If you notice, Roshi is always kind of hunched over and his knees are kicked out. Right. Um, and so this guy is walking around like that. If he's standing still, he's holding that posture. I was super impressed with him. And even his staff is pretty similar. Like they've kind of got like a snake on it or something instead of it just being kind of a bare staff. But And the fight scenes with him are really cool. Like... He immediately tries to beat up Yamcha because he's like, who are you? Like, why are you on my island? What are you doing here? And well, so, Yamcha rolls up to the island and then immediately walks into this house like he owns yeah, the place. I, I was like, great. who is this guy? Of course, Roshi should be cracking his head open. Kami House is really cool looking in this movie. That was the one thing Han and I, when we watched it, I was like, I want to go live there. Like, it's just an island out in the middle of nowhere with a really nice house on it. Heck, yeah. <laughs> and I, lo I love the transition scene to this, too, because it's very Tiger King. Like, it's just the Yamcha actor on a ski-doo out in the middle of the ocean. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. We get ski. Yeah, well, that's right. We do get uh, jet skis again in this movie. I forgot Ooh, about that's that. so crazy. Yeah, so Yamcha does his thing where he goes to the island and tries to convince Roshi that people are coming behind him. And one of them wants to beat him up just to, for the critical acclaim, like for fame, to say that they beat the... Uh, what was it? The magic turtle wizard, the, wizard the turtle wizard, man, wizard turtle man. Yeah. Um, so Goku and co roll up in a boat 
And Yamcha's like, there they are, go get them. And Roshi's like, which one of you wants to challenge me? And he kind of goes down the line until he sees Bulma and does the whole Roshi thing with Bulma where he's enamored by her and turns into kind of a, a, a perv, of course. Yeah, and I uh, love it like, too because on the way there, Oolong is like, guys, be careful. This guy's a sex maniac. Yeah, oh yeah, he says like dozens of times worse than I am or hundreds of times uh, worse than I am. Uh, and then eventually uh, Puar... Ch- uh, tattles on Yamcha, you know, because um, Goku's like, none. I don't even know you. Why would I want to fight you? And so Roshi's like, well, then, which Yamcha said that one of y'all was going to fight me. And then the little uh, parrot tattles on Yamcha, and he ends up running off because Bulma got too close, but not before Roshi like cuts him off and takes his little pearl um, as like a sort of a redemption. He's like, I'm gonna, I'm, you're gonna redeem yourself by giving me this pearl so that the little girl over there can make a wish to rebuild her village. Uh, but before Roshi stops Yamcha, uh, he does have a fair trial, um, so to speak. He does the Nimbus trial thing where he gets Yamcha to try to jump on because only those pure of heart. So obviously not anybody who just told a lie, I guess. Uh, and Yamcha falls through, but Goku's able to get on it. And the Nimbus effect in this, a thousand times better than fights on Goku. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's like flying off and it actually looks pretty decent. Yeah, I Whereas like we were pretty sure that they just like maybe glued some cotton balls onto an old sedan in a uh, fight Son Goku when Son Goku was just driving it around. Well, and apparently this, they redid this movie kind of sort of like I was reading online that they remastered it in 2007. So you can find that copy in some places and there's a lot of extra added CGI stuff and they redid the uh, Nimbus cloud in that as well. So I, I don't know that I saw that particular version of it. Um, I did see some versions of it, and I'll talk about that later. But uh, it was it was an interesting thing to find out that they actually remastered this to some extent. Yeah, I didn't I didn't bother looking up just the I was just like this is the one copy I'm just going to watch it two or three times. Um, <laughs> so Goku does end up with the Nimbus, um, and then of course they find out that Roshi has a ball, and so there's the classic scene of Bulma having to do something dirty uh, to get it from Roshi. In this particular version, he first is just like, well, I want to see you without clothes on. But then he says, you know what? I'll give you a discount. Half off. Yeah. Just the top just half. The top half. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. And, you know, I was actually really shocked because I assumed of all of the live Dragon Ball movies we'd watch, this may be the one where there's actually nudity, but there wasn't any. So kudos. Ooh, they came close because I had that thought when they were when Bulma was doing her little, uh, well, Bulma slash Puar or, or slash Oolong. Oolong. Yeah. I really yeah. like the way Oolong transforms in this, too, because he has this kind of little ditty that he does where he, like, slaps himself and goes, me, 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 and then transforms. Yeah. And the first time, it's actually just the actor dressed as Bulma. <laughs> and she's like, come on, dude, really? He does it again, and it looks just like her, which was, it was a nice touch. Well, it looks just like her, only her boobs are bigger, and she calls him out on that. She's yeah. like, you look fine, but my chest isn't as big as that. And he says, well, let's just make him happy. And, and I- that... What? Like, why is he wanting to pleasure Roshi right now? <laughs> well, I love the the exchange that happens between Bulma and Oolong here because he's like, "Why should I do it? Like, why don't you show me what you look like so I can actually transform into the way that you look?" And and she's like, "Well, I, you don't have to see me to to do that. Just transform as me, and then you can look at me as much as you want." He's like, "Oh yeah, that's a great idea." <laughs> now, see, that brings back up the questions that I've had about this scene all along, which I know, is like, yeah. if he doesn't actually see her, what is he transforming into? You know, is he transforming into a body that he had some female's body that he had seen naked before? Because even if he does that, he's still not seeing Bulma naked. Uh, or does he still have his pick nipples? And that's what Roshi sees. Those are the burning questions. 
about this scene in all of the uh, versions that we've seen so far. See, the one question that I had in this one was like, he's traveling with Pansy after this. How is she not just totally watching her back every time he's around? You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> yeah. Like literally 30 minutes ago, he was chasing you through a field. So. Yep. So this is, of course, plot point number seven. Roshi has a Dragon Ball and wants to see Bulma naked, but they get Oolong to turn into her and do the dirty deed instead. And in this one, uh, it is accompanied by this like weird little dance number in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're like Roshi and Oolong Bulma. Bulong? Bu- I don't Oolong, know. You I like that. Yeah. Um, That's if they they're, they're like dancing around on the little thing. It's it was really funny. I, I quite enjoyed the little dance number. Well, and of course the army has to show up. So Pilaf or King Horn's army shows up to Kami House and he steals or they steal the Dragon Balls. Um and and you know, I'll be honest, I don't really remember this scene all that much. It feels like it's really fast. Yeah, it's it is really short. I mean I mean basically this is plot point number eight. Army assaults Kami House and steals all the Dragon Balls. Um, and, and at the end of this particular scene, they are like extremely thorough. I mean, w- when they're flying off on their jets, it, they have absolutely leveled Kami house. Like it is blown to smithereens up. Uh, and it also looks like they might have gotten Roshi the same way. Um, but Roshi ends up teleporting out of the way and, and catching up with the crew in just a minute. But, uh, yeah, it's like, it reminded me, uh, we laughed at one point during, um, one of the, one of the versions of this what we watched, it must have been Curse of the Blood Rubies, where uh, Bongo said something like, let's nuke them. And I was like, <laughs> that is totally English language that they've slapped on this. They nuked the island in this movie. Yeah. Like, it, everything is just blown up. And not like small little hand grenade size. I mean, their entire budget is pyrotechnics in this movie. It really is, but they did a good job with it, I felt like. And they didn't reuse any explosions either. Like, every time you see one, it's a brand new one. Yeah. Or they're really good at, like, overlaying things, but I don't think they went to that kind of trouble. Yeah, I don't think so. So now they know that uh, Pilaf slash Gurumis um, slash Kinghorn has six of the seven balls. Uh, so we're on to plot point number eight, which is, or no, plot point number nine, which is the final assault to reclaim the balls. So after they blow up the island, there's this scene where Roshi kind of comes back up. Everyone, I guess, thought he was dead for a few minutes there, but he's not. He lived. He was able to get out just in time. and. They do have some kind of like he blasts throughout this movie that he does. It's pretty cool. So you, you don't think that he's not powerful, if that makes sense. Uh, but they end up having this conversation about the Dragon Pearls and how they all had one or why they all had one. Yeah, so it, and it's a this I was really kind of fascinated by this. There were parts of it that I liked and parts of it that I don't. Uh, but they basically have this conversation where Roshi's like, well, everybody has a relationship with a pearl, right? And Oolong's like, not me, I don't have one of them. So then Roshi looks at him and says, well, then leave us alone. We're about to have a pearl meeting. Um, And I thought that that phrasing was really funny. And he basically says, when two of the pearls get together, then the other five will soon get together too. It's almost like there's this weird magnetic attraction to them. um, Or this fatal attraction, if that makes some sense. Like, they're destined to come together. If two come together, then all of them start orchestrating their way or engineering their way it's very mystical or whatever um but he thinks somebody in the group has a pearl and is lying about it or forgot about it or whatever and they look over and oolong's just sitting there throwing one up into the air um (laughs) and his excuse is that his master told him not to tell anybody that he had one and then he kind of tries to uh explain it away by saying that he used uh jade to get in touch with them it was not a good explanation but um 
this is when uh, they make the final assault on uh, the Pilaf's castle. And so, and it starts off with an absolute banger. Like Oolong just goes Rambo and is running down this bridge with a machine gun, just mowing folks down. It's pretty crazy too, because like when you first watch this, like at the very beginning, you don't really think that Pilaf's army is, is uh, weak against anything, right? Like, I mean, they are wrecking a village that's not really fighting back. But I guess I, I, when I see them, I feel like they're bulletproof, like they're powerful people, but they are getting mowed down and they're like legitimately dying. And I believe there's a scene later on where Mai gets shot and she just falls down and dies. And I was like, what? Uh, that happened. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So pasta slash Mai Oolong ends up just shooting her in the chest. I mean, just bullet holes rip into her little chest plate and she falls over. And then you see the scene of her, like, face lying in the dust. Yeah. And then not even, like, 60 seconds later, uh, Shu or um, uh, Bongo, Bongo yeah. throws Roshi away from him. They were in, like, a kind of a fairly evenly matched hand-to-hand combat. But he, he throws Roshi away. And then Bulma uses his giant grenade nuke gun on him <laughs> and right. blows him up. And, like, parts <laughs> of him go flying everywhere. I mean, that it was, was so- violent. Those. Those two henchmen die violent deaths. Too bad they didn't have any blood rubies that would have been protected. Yeah, yeah they, if they had a shirt full of blood rubies, just like they did with, uh, uh, or just like Yamcha did in the in that movie. I, when, so, when she uh, blows him up, I like Hannah and I looked at each other like, what just happened? I mean, that was totally yeah. nuts. It is pretty wild, but they do end uh, do end up finally facing down Pilaf, which is going to lead us to point number ten. But we're not we're not quite at point plot uh, point plot point number ten yet. But uh, this is where they come face to face with the big bad evil guy. Yeah, and it's pretty wild too because like they confront him at his castle, and when he comes out, he pulls some alien magic and like brings back all of the village people, including Pansy's dad. And I I don't really know that there's a good explanation for what happens here because I definitely thought they were all dead, but they're yeah, they're not yeah, really it, zombies. In my notes, that's I just have. Uh, so he strikes a pose and summons Jade's entire village and parents as zombies? Question and mark. And like the whole tint <laughs> of the show is blue now. It's like, and yeah. they're all really slowed down, but the main characters aren't. It's a funky scene here. Yeah, and they start to kind of fight back. They have to because these zombie question mark are closing in on them from all directions with evil intents. And Roshi, I think, makes the first punch. Throws the first punch. And then Jade starts begging him, you know, don't don't hurt them. These are my family. These are my people. Um, so then Goku kind of bypasses everything. He calls for Nimbus, leaps on it, uh, then zooms over everyone to just start throwing blows with Pilaf. And that actually breaks whatever the spell was. It's all undone. And the crazy thing here is, too, that the, all the village people are still alive and they just like live like Pansy doesn't wish her village back to life in this this movie. They're, they're just there again somehow. Yeah, she does make a wish. I guess it's implied at least that she would make this wish to um, have her village restored. But yeah, the people are just standing there. Right. So So it wasn't the Dragon Ball that brought them back. It was King Horn. Pilaf did her a real solid. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah, uh, it was. That was weird. But and her wish was a two. Like in my mind, it was two wishes because she says something like, I want this and this. And she gets it. But that's neither here nor there. There's an awesome fight scene with King Horn or King Gurumeth or Pilaf and Goku. That was I, I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, the ending, I, I liked it. I thought it was a pretty, you know, they wrap up everything fairly well. And they, they pretty much replicate exactly what happens in uh, Curse of the Blood Rubies because they realize that there's like all the Dragon Balls are likely in his stomach or Dragon Pearls. 
And so they decide, okay, well, let's get the last ones in there. And there's this pretty cool scene where Yamcha, I think it was Yamcha or Oolong that is trying to get it in his mouth. And then Goku. It's Roshi. Is it Roshi? Totally wrong. Yeah. So Roshi's trying to get it in his mouth. And Oolong, or not Oolong, Goku uses the power pole to like pop the Dragon Ball through his teeth. And then he just explodes. Yeah, it is kind of strange. It's weird, like. In Gurumez's case, like I, they, I can wrap my brain around why he would have the Dragon Balls in his gullet because his thing was just like eating things. Greed, yeah, yeah. In this, there's no explanation. It's just like Gohan is just like, uh, if I had to guess, they're in his stomach, and then they just go off of that assumption. They're like, well, we're gonna shove this one down his throat, by God. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, what if you're wrong? They're sitting on a pedestal behind him. You guys don't even know. You're not even. There's no detective work here. Yeah, like they didn't even go into the castle. It was all. All of this takes place outside. So you're right. It yeah. could have just been like in his bed chambers, but they got lucky on this one. Yep. So this is plot points ten and eleven, basically wrap, wrapping this video up. Uh, plot point ten is the final ball is shoved into Pilaf's mouth. Summoning Shinron, and in this movie, exploding him. In uh, Curse of the Blood Rupees, uh, Gurumez is fine at the end of this somehow. Yeah, that's right. Um, and then the 11th plot point is that uh, the village is restored, Jade Village is restored. So we've seen uh, something like that, which is similar to that in each of the movies prior. And I gotta say, I love the dragon in this, because he shows up and he's like, hey, I grant one wish, what do you want? <laughs> it is very like, give me your wish, <laughs> I, I gotta get out of here, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then the, we interrupted a date. The movie ends with uh, Goku and, and Yamcha. You know, I think Yamcha says something like, well, I've got a wish. I want to fight you. And then it, it cuts credits. Pretty good. Uh, now, I got to say, in the ultimate version, there's this thing that happens where when they say they're going to fight each other, their fists connect and it turns into CGI for like seven minutes of just them fighting. And the first time I watched this movie... I was super sleep deprived. I woke up, couldn't get back to sleep, thought, you know what, whatever, I'll put on this movie. We're just going to, I don't even care if I can't find an English dub of it. I don't think it was uh, dubbed at all. I think it was a completely different language. There were no subtitles and I'm going in and out of sleep and I see this scene happen and I'm like, what is this? This is nuts. And then on subsequent watches, I couldn't find it. So I totally thought I was nuts, but doing some digging, I was able to find online that this was just part of that remake I've mentioned a handful of times. Yeah, I didn't I didn't see that. I want to. So now I might if I I thought that you when you were explaining this to me before we started recording, I thought you were describing the initial like middle of the movie Yamcha and Goku fight. It just broke into CG makes way more sense that it's the thing at the credits. Yeah, basically. yeah, it's the thing at the credits. And then it leads into like a CGI dragon thing flying around at the end during the credits. Gotcha. So. Uh, okay. But I'm curious, man. So I, we've seen this story a handful of times. This is what the third time now. How do you feel about this one compared to fight Son Goku win Son Goku? You know, I'm kind of torn on this one. Uh, there, this movie did a lot of things really well. Special effects are way better, Agreed. especially the, like relative to fight Son Goku. The fight choreography is way better. I actually like that concept of kind of the fatal attraction of the Dragon Balls, where like if two of them come together, then it's almost like people who have them will mysteriously and by ill fate, you know, um, end up together. I, I kind of liked that. It, it does make the world feel a little small, but we very rarely see the um, Dragon Ball crew like halfway across the world picking up these balls. I mean, we do occasionally. So I don't know. And maybe it didn't make it feel all that small after all, that all the balls were basically, you know, inside <laughs> the same county yeah, equivalent, basically. you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, I thought that this movie was a lot more cohesive, so there was less just 
bonkers random encounters like while they're traveling and stuff with birdmen you know um it does have some weird tonal shifts like i said uh oolong is cringy in this because he's wearing blackface i mean we got to call it what it is it's a dude who's painted black yeah um and he, he looks more like uh mr popo than like oolong when he's in his little ogre form uh roshi is killer in this it does feel more cartoony uh in some of the fights but i really liked that at the same time i enjoyed fight son goku win son goku more really that makes sense yeah, no, i see why you would say that it's much more whimsical you know it's it's a fantastic movie if that makes sense in the literal sense it is very fantastical this one feels like an actual movie like it felt like a kung fu this could have been a kung fu movie on its own and just so happened to have had dragon balls and it just so happens to have a lot of the same character names but i feel like this did feel like an actual kung fu movie so i i would say that i i personally enjoyed this one more than i than when son goku fights son goku which i didn't think i would ever say but I'm putting it out there. Okay, so what is your rating then, Mr. Likes It More? I'm going to give it a six. I think which is... Oh! I think that's what I gave uh, Fight Son Goku, Win Son Goku. You gave Fight Son Goku, Win Son Goku a 5.5. Dang, okay, so I'm right there. A six. I like this. I, I like, legitimately, when I was watching this, I was laughing. I was having a good time. I, like, I, I really thought it was a great movie. It reminded me a lot of some of the really uh, older Kung Fu movies that I really like, like uh, Return to the 36th Chamber, or uh, uh, I think there's one that's called Five Venoms that I really liked, and there's another one that's named uh, Five Shaolin Masters. Like Those are all Kung Fu movies from the mid-70s, mid-80s, and this felt so much like that, that it was like just super nostalgic. It, it, something about it really clicked for me. All right, I am going to give it exactly the same score as i gave fights on goku which is a five um they i like them both for very different reasons and i don't i don't particularly think i love one even a 0.5 but more than the other one to be honest so uh fives across the board for these last two live action offerings for me and yours have gone from 5.5 to six yeah that's a pretty high rating because we're rating them at a seven that's basically like a 90 you know i mean and the thing for me is to with these ratings, I would say the listeners have to keep in mind that we're only watching them once and we'll probably never watch them again. Like, none of these movies have a whole lot of rewatchability. You know what I mean? I don't, I mean, I, you're talking about all the movies that we're covering in general? In general, yeah. I mean, I, I would say they're not movies you sit down to every couple of weeks. Like, you might watch them once every couple of years. Yeah, that, that's, yeah, yeah, there are a couple that I watch maybe even two or three times a year. The cooler movie, probably. Like, but I don't think I'll watch this one again anytime soon. No, no, this is that. And that's why I'm trying to keep like it's high grade. It's above a middling grade. But like like Dragon Ball Super Broly, I watch that a couple times a year. Sometimes I just come home and I'm like, you know what? I want to watch Broly (laughs) today. The new I do. The new super movies are really good. So that's yeah, Yeah. that's fair. Six is a high rating, but I'm going to stick with it. I like it. Yeah, totally fair. So um, we Adam and I were talking a little bit about the future, the life of Kyo Cinema, because the original concept is uh, finite in that we're going to watch the existing Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball Z, and Dragon Ball Super movies. Um, that's only like 30-something offerings, including the newest one that hasn't even come out yet. Uh, but we don't know that we want to just put this on the shelf when we're all caught up with movies, and so we've kicked around some other things that we would like to cover in the future. And one of the things that came up was just kind of surveying some of the uh, like fan-made live action material that exists out on platforms like YouTube. 
Uh, and so Adam has already started compiling this giant list of all of these offerings, fan-made productions and such like this. But there was one that caught his eye that he wanted us to talk about today. So I'll let you explain a little bit about this one, and we'll save the rest for uh, an episode uh, to be recorded in the future. Yeah, I was actually really surprised that I had found this. I had not heard of it before. It was it's called Dragon Ball Runaways. And it's a little web series, and it's actually pretty spread out. I think the first episode came out in like 2013, and the second episode actually didn't air, I think, until 2015. So like there was a pretty wide gap there, and several episodes came out in 2015, but they're all really only like three, four minutes long. In fact, episode two is only le- it's less than two minutes by three seconds, but it's still less than two minutes. Uh, they're fun, and it, it's kind of just a retelling of someone's idea of what Dragon Ball could have been, and everything's pretty close. I mean, it's Goku meeting Bulma, but Bulma has a really unique take in this series that I really like, and uh, I, same thing with the Roshi. I thought the Roshi in this series was really cool, because he, he's not pervy. He's just this trainer that recognizes Goku and recognizes that Goku has a lot of power. Um, I will say my favorite thing, honestly, out of all of this, was probably the Dragon Ball radar. It, if anything, yes, watch it. Just, it looked awesome. Yeah, just watch this to watch see the radar. The radar is so cool. Yeah, and Bulma's backstory, it's a five-episode run. Um, if you uh, search for it on YouTube, you'll find the channel that it's on. It's on a playlist of its own, uh, and they can run you know, back to back to back. That's how I watched them all. It'll take less than, yeah, for all of them. Yeah, it's not very long. Um, But Bulma's backstory, she's presented as a runaway, as somebody who has left um, her house. Her dad is still a a whiz bang uh, engineer and inventor, and he's designed this dragon radar, but Bulma sees that technology going to bad people. And so she kind of breaks away and runs off. Um, and so she's kind of a little bit more of an edgy character. For she's sure. not all bubbly. She's very hard, uh, around the edges, but she bumps into Goku, who's very soft. Um, the young man that they got to play him did a pretty good job as well. Um, he doesn't have a tail, but I think he makes mention of it. Yeah. At one yeah. He point. says something like, yeah, back when I had a tail. Yeah. In fact, I might've said that about the Goku in the movie that we just covered uh, crossing my streams a little bit. It was definitely this Goku that said that. I don't think the tale was mentioned at all. I don't think in, it was. Uh, the magic begins. Yeah. But I mean, like so, I said, I watched three different versions of it. So you may have seen one where right. they didn't say that. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, Roshi is more, he's presented as more of like a sage. Um, Goku is, um, he says that he knows some martial arts. We see him use literally none of it, um, <laughs> right. but he does, he does like, uh, in a couple of the episodes, throw a punch kind of out in front of him and then opens his hand uh, so that his palm is facing forward and begins to form a blue ball at the end of it, um, which is like the prelude to a Kamehameha that he had somehow either discovered on his own because of things that he learned from his grandfather about focusing his energy. Uh, but when they do bump into Roshi on the beach, who doesn't have a turtle shell? Come on, man. That was my. That was one of my biggest gripes about yeah, this. Yeah, there's not even. He is wearing like a Hawaiian shirt, but I was like, "Come on, man, you got you got to have a shell if you're Roshi." There's not even a turtle in that scene, so yeah, here's you're not. right. <laughs> um, but he he ends up Bulma basically pawns Goku off on Roshi, and she has some noble motivations for doing that, but I think most of them are a little bit more selfish, really. Oh yeah. Um, she was like, yeah, "I've got wants... I've got a wish, and you do too. I got to get rid of you, kid." Right. <laughs> Yeah, because there's this awkward conversation where she's like, I'm going to I'm going to make a wish to see my mother because I haven't seen her in a long time. And then Goku's like, so I can wish to see my grandpa because I haven't seen him in a long time. And Bulma's deadpan response that totally shuts this conversation down is, well, 
we only get one wish. Right. It was <laughs> like, and she kind of stares daggers at him too. Like, no. <laughs> yeah. And then so like next chance that she gets, she's like, uh, no, you stay, you train, do the thing that make, make go make your grandpa proud, yeah. buddy. <laughs> like pawns him off in this old man on the beach. Um, so, and then, uh, the, it's cool. The last shot of the last episode is, uh, Roshi shooting a Kamehameha like out over the ocean, which is pretty. They cool. even have a, a little surprise appearance of Red from the Red Ribbon Army. It's it's really cool. Like it's definitely worth going and checking out, especially if you're on your lunch break or something like that. You want to like watch a 12 minute Dragon Ball thing? Pull it up on your phone. It's really a great little mini series. I also kind of liked this part too, and it, I think it's in the first episode. Where I, now, I don't know what possessed a teenage girl to have this conversation with a strange boy she met in the forest. But at one point, she gets up as they're sitting out looking over this forest, and she's like, you want to see something cool? And she goes and gets a effing handgun. No, and every single part of this, like when you're watching it, especially if you grew up around guns or you know about gun safety, it will just itch you. Like you're, you're going to be like, oh, my God, what are you doing? Stop. <laughs> yep, and he's he's got it, and she's just talking, stick, looking right at him. He's got this thing, and he doesn't know what it is clearly because of the way he's handling it. And finally, he puts his finger over the trigger, and the barrel's pointed at his face, and the gun goes off, of course. And it's Goku, so she pe- peeks through her little fingers, and he's just like rubbing the top of his head, saying, "I don't want to play with this toy anymore." But I was like, "What a bold choice right. for a scene!" But it made. It made sense for Goku not to, you know, not knowing what that thing was for it to have that outcome. It didn't make any sense for Bulma, who did know what it was, to just be like, here, kid, have a gun. <laughs> Here's this yeah. gun. That yeah. scene made me hurt. I, like the whole time I could feel my anxiety going through the roof. I was like, oh, my God, they're not going to do this, are they? Oh, wow. They're doing dang. Like <laughs> they did. They didn't show no, it. But, but, they but did. you definitely felt it. Um, yeah. Yeah. That, that really threw me. So. Well, we will circle back around some more of these live action fan made stuff. He's got quite a list, I'm sure. I mean, somebody with 10 minutes and a couple of keywords, you know, could spend their life on YouTube watching fan made stuff for Dragon Ball. There's a really cool series that I'm excited for that we'll probably get to when we do the uh, Teen Trunks stuff where it, it looks like someone has recreated that entire saga. And it's live action and it looks awesome. It's it's called Light of Hope and the Fall of Man. Dude, it's like a 40 minute long live action series that someone put their heart and soul into. Whoa. Yeah. Dang. It's pretty cool. I'm excited for that one. Well, speaking of some other folks on YouTube putting their heart and soul into some noteworthy content that uh, we're going to point you in the direction of, not only on Kyo Cinema, but also on the AMP next week, um, I ran into across this artist. I can't even remember. It might have been somebody in Discord somewhere uh, who seeded a link and said, I need to look this guy up on on YouTube. Um, and I heard him say his name. I was, I was convinced I was going to say it wrong. I, I still might. It's spelled F A B V L. Uh, and when I heard him say his own name, it sounded like he pronounces it Fable. Um, and he is on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, Twitter, Patreon. He's got it all. Um, and he is a, I guess you would call him like a nerdcore guy. Um, it's it's rap. There's a, a lot of rock elements to it as well. A lot of collaborating. And he's got a 51 song uh, strong playlist that is just songs that he's uh, had inspired by anime. My Heroes in there, Seven Deadly Sins, Black Clover, Demon Slayer, Sword Art Online, uh, Naruto, Dragon Ball Z, Attack on Titan, yeah. all sorts of uh, and, and more like that's not even the, the exhaustive list. I just got tired of writing them out. Um, 
And he just had a new single drop like a few days ago called Let It All Burn, which is inspired by Aaron Yeager of Attack on Titan. Um, And he had actually posted on Twitter the other day that that is his first single to cross a million streams in less than a week. He did it four days. The song has just blown up for him, which is awesome. Yeah, it's really incredible. And it's a great song, too. Like I went and perused his channel. In fact, I think you posted one of his uh, raps in the Discord channel a handful of weeks ago. And I mean, like they're good. I, I really enjoyed them. I don't really listen to rap, but like this guy definitely knows these characters and wrote some really meaningful songs for them. Yeah, and some of them are just like he's they're just straight spitting fire him and these folks that he's brought in. Like uh I listened to all the Dragon Ball ones over the course of the last couple of weeks and have a couple favorites. Um the the one that I maybe like the most and in part it's because it's a giant collaboration. I think there are 13 different rappers on this one song. Um and it's called The Saiyan Rap Cipher. Uh and it's I say that I think that there are 13 rappers because they they rap from the perspective of 13 different Saiyans, which isn't all of the Saiyans, but it's a pretty significant chunk of them. They hit most of the big ones, you know, um, and each rapper takes a Saiyan and, and spits fire for like, I don't know, a minute, you know, a minute and a half. And, and it's incredible. That song is dope. And they always have really cool visuals oh, and yeah, stuff. Yeah, the visuals um, are so, so cool in all of his videos. Yeah, Saiyan Rap Cypher was probably my favorite of the Dragon Ball Z ones, and the one that I shared in the Discord might be my favorite uh, one that wasn't like a big collab. I think this was just him. Um, I've even thought about, you could, like I said, you could buy them on iTunes. I've thought about buying it and uh, putting it down as a ringtone for me because it sounds so cool. It's Vegeta's rap song. It's called Never Fall Apart. Um, and again, it's part rap, but it's, he, they use a lot of, uh, rock guitar and, uh, it almost sounds like progressive rock at different times. So those were my two Saiyan rap cypher and Vegeta's rap song, which is called never fall apart. Um, was there any of the dragon ball offerings that really stuck out to you? The Vegeta one for sure. That was the one that I was like, man, this is so cool. Like I, I even had it up when I was watching it and Hannah, my wife was sitting on the couch and she was like, what are you watching? That sounds so cool. So that one for sure. Uh, and then, you know, honestly, the new one that he just came out with, the one for Aaron Yeager was awesome. Like if you're into Attack on Titan, you should definitely go check that out. Yeah, so it's Favel spelled F-A-B-V-L. And you can find him on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, Twitter, and Patreon with those five yeah, letters. We'll put a link um, to his YouTube in the, uh, the show notes along with the Runaway series as well. Definitely. So uh, be sure to click on the little info thing, catch the links for uh, Fabeful uh, and for the uh, Dragon Ball Runaways. And also, of course, for our Twitter and for our Discord, both of those spaces are ones we readily invite you into to be a part of the conversations that regularly take place there. Yes, we would love to have you stop in, say hi, tell us about your favorite anime, favorite manga. We love to talk about all of it. We've even been talking about games lately, like lots of cool stuff going on in the Discord. So. Be sure to pop on in and say hello. Yep, and you've got two weeks to hunt down Dragon Ball Z colon, the return of Cooler. That's right. Cooler comes back in back-to-back movies. And when he comes back in the return of Cooler, I mean, like, he comes all the way back. Yeah. Uh, you'll, you'll figure out why I, what I mean by that if you haven't seen it by watching it. That one came out March 7th, 1992. Uh, and we are going to cover that on the next episode of Kaio Cinema. And next week is the episode of Almighty Podcast where we are covering chapters 100 and 101 of My Hero Academia Vigilantes. 
Things are really heating up over there. So if you haven't checked out Vigilantes, you really should. That That is such a great series. Yep, join us for all of the above, and we will see you again soon.